Welcome to the 985 Nerds Podcast, where we spend some time with the operators of the 146.985 repeater to learn more about who they are and how they got involved in ham radio. CW operator, ARRL field day devotee, and retired RV dealer, George Robinson, WA3LVR, was part of the Friday Nighters and has been licensed since 1969. Today, George is our 985 Nerd. 985 Nerds. WA3LVR, this is N3YLI. Hey George, how are you tonight? Very good. N3YLI, this is WA3LVR. <laughs> Always good to talk to Travis. Always good. Why don't we get started with how you got it started with uh, with uh, amateur radio? So this goes back to um, uh, 1967. So I would have been... How old have I been in 67? Three years, uh, 12, I guess, or 12. Um, I had a friend, uh, same age as me. He lived up the street from me and he was, uh, he was into electronics and he loved buying stuff from, you may have, have heard lately, there's a company, a surplus company called Fair Radio Electronics. They're, they're near Dayton, Ohio, and they're going out of business uh, right now. Um, but they've been a surplus seller of electronics for years and years. So uh, my friend's name was Pete, and Pete bought all this stuff from Fair Radio, all his electronic gear. And um, so I kind of started to get fascinated with this stuff. And uh, one time he bought uh, a receiver. I cannot remember what receiver it was. It might have been an ARC-5, but I, I'm not sure. Anyway, he bought this and hooked this thing up, and we were listening to shortwave stations, and we were listening to, uh, to Ham's talk. And I thought, well, this is, this is pretty cool. And... Um, at about the same time, I had a, um, a friend of the family give us one of those big old wooden floor model radios, you know what I'm talking about, um, and it, it had the AM broadcast band, and it also had some shortwave bands on it. So uh, now I started, I you know had this available to me at the house, so I started listening to this thing. I'm like, this is really cool. So uh, uh, that got me more and more interested, and I said, you know what, I need to buy... Uh, a better radio to uh, listen because I really enjoy this. And I was fortunate that um, I had some, I had some income. My, my parents had a grocery store at that time. Uh, it was at um, uh, 63rd and Overbrook, which Overbrook Station, just over City Line Avenue in Philadelphia. And um, it was a corner grocery store. Uh, it's called Robinson's Market. And they used to do deliveries. So uh, the deliveries that were close by, like there was a lot of apartments right near the store. Um, I would do those deliveries. So I'd, I'd go out with, you know, these two boxes of groceries on my shoulder, what have you, and I would get all this tip money. So with the tip money, I had, you know, I had a little bit of disposable income, and I bought um, an, an Amico R5. Um, now, that radio, that's a solid-state radio. Um, it covered broadcast up through 30 megahertz, and not a really great receiver, but, um, you know, it was sure better than that old, wooden floor model radio that I had. So I strung up a long wire outside and, um, you know, became more or less a shortwave listener. And uh, I, I was sending out requests for QSL cards to all these broadcast stations like, you know, Radio Moscow or, um, you know, BBC or Voice of America, who have you. So I was taking these QSL cards. Did you well, have a shortwave listening license? Yes, I did. Yeah. And if, I'm trying to think who... Um, issued those. I think it was it might have been Popular Electronics that issued those quote calls, um, 
And of course, then I had made up a card and would send that card out to the broadcast stations. Well, then also, you know, listen to some hams on AM um, because, you know, there was still a good bit of AM activity. Now, this is not the next year. This is like um, 1968. Um, there was a good bit of AM activity and a lot of AM activity on 75 meters. As a matter of fact, um, there was a group that got on 3868 for 1968, and they would get on there pretty much nightly. And uh, Joe, GMS, he was part of the group. I'd hear him on there. And Harry, W3FDY, he'd be on there. And uh, all these guys would congregate on there. And all had really great signals and great sounding audio. And um, I guess they, that was really the start of me really getting interested. Like, you know what? That would be kind of cool to have a ham license. So um, I guess in popular electronics, there was probably some write-ups about, you know, how to get started with your ham license. Of course, the first thing was, you know, you had to learn to code. So I took the code chart and, uh, you know, started learning the letters. And I think my buddy Pete had a, a key and an oscillator that he loaned me. So I started sending to myself and, um, you know, got, I got pretty good. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm able to send and receive here, you know, uh, five plus. I was probably up seven, ten words a minute. It's like, okay, this isn't a problem for me. Now, how about the theory? So I was able to get the, the license book and, um, you know, started to study the questions. Back in those days, um, the novice exam was given by just two hams. There was no formal VE system set up like we have now. So any two hams that had higher than a novice license, well, I think maybe you had to have a general license, um, could give the test. Well, also that same year in 68, um, my science teacher was a ham. I went to uh, Stetson, which is junior high, that's Stetson Middle School now in Westchester. And uh, my science teacher had his license. And one of the other science teachers there also had his license. So um, I told him, you know, of my interest and, and I would like to take the test. And he said, hey, no problem. You know, when you're ready, um, you know, we'll get the forms and, and we'll give you the test. So it was right before Christmas break, 1968. Um, I uh, sat down, I copied uh, five words a minute, you know, in code, you have to copy solid for five minutes. And um, then you have to send. So I sent back to him and then, you know, took the test. And, and uh, you know, after I took the test, they looked at it and said, no, you, you passed. You got it. You know, no problem. Well, back again, back in those days, it took a while to get your license. So I didn't have my license until I think February of the next year. That was 69, February 69. I'm going to say it was either the first or the second week um, that I got my license. And, um, strung up an antenna. Um, I was, oh, and, and in the process, of, I was building a DX60, a heat kit DX60. Um, I had upgraded my receiver. Now I had bought a Halicrafters HQ170, which is a really decent, sensitive, and selective receiver. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very good receiver. And um, the, uh, at that time, you, know, you can only have 75 watts. You had to be crystal controlled. And uh, you had just a small portion of 80 meters, 40 meters, 15. I think that was it. I don't think we had any 10 meter um, CW. And I think you were allowed on two meter phone, I think. But of course, back then, repeaters weren't a big thing. Uh, it was, you know, there was some two meter AM, um, I guess with some FM activity, but uh, I didn't have the equipment for that. I mean, I just had the HF stuff. So. Strung out a 80-meter uh, dipole, tried to get on the air, was not doing very well. Uh, just 
was not making contacts, just didn't seem to work right. So um, I'm trying to think how I, I, I got a hold of the Friday Nighters. It seemed like I knew through, I, I was going to Votech. Um, so at Votech, you went half day, you went a half day high school and you went a half day Votech. And through that, I met Bob, uh, who was now into HM. He was WA3JYT at the time. And um, it seems like he and Bert came over to my house, WA3JYU, and uh, said they wanted to, to help me, uh, you know, get a better signal out because I told them I was having, having issues. They said, let's pull your antenna down. Let's measure this thing. So they pulled down the dipole, and it was cut wrong. I, I, I cut the wrong way. So we, I don't know if we had a shorter line. Whatever we did, we, we did whatever was necessary, strung it back up, and now it works great. Now I had, I had a decent signal in the air at that point. But um, through Bob, I, you know, I, I uh, found out about the Friday Nighters, and they, they invited me to that. Um, my parents took me one Friday night. I remember going there, and, you know, here I am, this this novice, only had my license for a little while. And, um, you know, these guys are all way, way ahead of me, but uh, I always remember Harry Davis, W3FDY. He was just, he's so gracious and, and such a nice man. And so was his wife. His wife's name was Mary. And uh, they just accepted everybody in, um, you know, their home was our home for every Friday night. And they always had food for us. And they... <laughs> He had this um, old stereo. I don't think it was a stereo. It might have just been hi-fi. It might have just been one channel, a hi-fi. And he had this huge speaker that it was sitting on. I think it was like a speaker from a uh, movie theater. And, uh, you know, the guys had, you know, we had some progressive rock cranked up on that. And it didn't, that didn't seem to bother him, you know. Uh, um, we would have, uh, you know, theory. We'd uh, send code practice. And, and at that point, now my code speed's starting to get up pretty good. So I got to the point where... I was given code practice and uh, that, that was kind of neat. And, and theory was never my thing. And uh, so the guys would be helping me with the theory because I wanted to get my general and um, uh, I would be help, helping different ones with code. Uh, I remember especially Chuck and E3CW and, and, and Chuck struggled with it. And he'd tell you that today. That's a struggle for him. And uh, he, he'd always say, he says, man, you do so well in that. And, and he says, I just can't. I'm like, Chuck, just sit down and copy. <laughs> and he keeps saying it to you. So anyway, you're going to get speed up. So um, that was that was really great. The Friday the Friday night guys that that was that was just it was awesome. Uh, it was during a time that um, you know it seemed like there's always this a lot of unrest. Drugs were getting to be really bad in schools, and um, my parents were always so glad that I was in a kind of a safe haven. You know, because the, the guys were they're all great guys. They, they knew where I was. I was doing a good thing. Um, my parents always supported me in, in ham radio. They just thought it was just such a such a great hobby and a great outlet, and they knew it was good people involved. So uh, that always made them feel good that I was, you know, part of that group and, and with what I was doing. So, you guys were uh, living in Westchester at this time. Yeah, we lived in Glen Acres. Glen Acres, uh, Westchester, right across from the the, the Ford dealership on uh, Route Three. Uh, there's a development back there. Um, we, I, um, yeah, I lived lived there until I went to tenth grade. I was, well, first first through tenth grade. Uh, and how far away was that from Harry's? Oh, Harry's right in town. I would say maybe four or five miles, something like that. So it was very close. You know, they would they would take me there uh, to start the evening, and then usually somebody would bring me home. Um, now, a lot of times it was this. A little later on, this guy joined a group, uh, Jim Ferguson, WA3 MME, and uh, quite a character, Mickey Mouse ears. And he was a former CB or just, just, just a great guy. And uh, many nights he would bring me home. 
Um, see, I have no problem, George. I'm running home. It's only, you know, it's only a couple of miles. So, uh, so I usually got to ride home from there. How long were you there on Friday nights? I would say we were there till maybe 10 o'clock. So we'd get started maybe 6, 6.30. You know, it's a good it was it was quite a while. One of the uh, one of the interesting things that uh, creatures that were at Harry's house. Now, if you did you hear about this from either Chuck or Joe? Is it the squirrel? No, I didn't. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah. So Harry had a pet squirrel. He, uh, I guess he kind of nursed this baby squirrel back to life, and it was abandoned by mom or what have you. So he takes the thing in, and it's in a cage, and they call it Rocky. And the thing was mean. And you could not go in the house if the squirrel was out. And like it, it, when you went in, you know, you'd knock on the door and you'd open the door just to crack and go, hey, Harry, is Rocky out? And he'd be like, ah, I got to get him, you know, just, just a minute, you know. So he put, put the squirrel away. But I know, I know it bit Chuck and I think it bit Bob and uh, 2HM. I think it bit him once. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Very, I mean, obviously it wasn't rapid because, you know, he got it when it was a baby, you know. Didn't have rabies, but it was a it was a mean creature. It was very territorial. Um, so was he nice to Harry? Oh yeah, yeah. It was just and and uh, Harry had a dog, and he and the, the the dog and the squirrel would play, and that that was cool. That, I think that would keep Harry entertained a lot of times. Uh, the was playing. So uh, I'm surprised he didn't talk about Rocky. Yeah, that was uh, that was interesting because I didn't know anybody about that squirrel, and uh, and also how mean they were. So to this day, I know like don't mess with a squirrel. You know those are they're mean little creatures. Did Harry have any kids? Yes, a uh, boy and a girl. Um, I know Rick, uh, the, and he's younger. Uh, Rick has taken Harry's call. Oh um, yeah. Rick, Rick's not active. I haven't talked to him in a long time. I, I saw him many years ago. Actually, I saw him at a. Uh, he had come to our church. And we actually when we were doing a passion play. He'd come to one of the passion play performances, and he recognized me. I didn't recognize him at all. That's kind of how I knew he had gotten his license. So is he is he older than you? Younger, a little younger, a little younger. Maybe, okay, maybe two or three years younger. So they were around while you guys were there Friday nighting. Yeah, yeah. And now the daughter. No, oh my gosh, it's, it's awful. The daughter's name eludes me right now. But she wasn't around. Much. She'd be there sometimes, uh, but but not that often. But you know, obviously, I, I got to meet her there. But um, she wasn't around as much. She was a good bit older. I mean, it's, a, it's quite a an age gap between the two of them. That's terrible. I can't remember her name, but I know. I know I did not know about the squirrel. That that's oh, really yeah. fun. Yeah, that's it's cool. That's, <laughs> it, I, that was cool. Yeah. Um, and of course, Harry had um, his shack uh, up on the hill in Parksburg, which is where the repeaters located right now, up on Beacon Light Road. And typically, every Saturday, he would go up there and get on the radio. So there was all, pretty much always an open invitation for us to go up there. And it didn't always work out for me to go up, uh, but I would go up a lot of Saturdays. And, and we get to operate his rig up there. And, uh, you know, we had, a, had an excellent antenna system. Of course, it's a great location. It's one of the highest spots in Chester County. And, um, you know, he had he had a rig that uh, it ran some power, shall we say. And <laughs> and he put quite a signal in the air. And, uh, we, uh, of course, we my first field day experience was there. We had field day there that uh, that summer, summer 69. And they, they had done that in the past, but that was my first experience with it. And uh, as, uh, uh, as things were going along uh, dur during the winter, they, they'd say, well, my, you know, we're, we're going to do field day, you know, in June, and we want you to have your general, you know, because we want you to be able to operate. I'm like, okay. 
you're gonna need to help me. I said on the on the theory, I got the code. That's not a problem. I, you know, you're gonna help me in theory. So, so they, they helped me with that, and uh, I'm gonna say I went. I'm gonna say I went in April to take the test. Now, back in those days, you had to go to, uh, I think it was Fifth and Market to take your test. You went down to the SEC. Um, and I remember I went down by myself, I went down the bus, I got the bus, uh, sat the bus out of uh, uh, Route 3, went down to 69th Street, got another bus down there and went to the Customs House. This was called the Customs House. I think it was Fifth and Market. And uh, went down there, took my test, you know, it wasn't a problem. I, you know, I was, I, I passed it. And of course now here comes the waiting period. So, you know, field day week comes and our plans were to camp up there all week. So we went up, we might have been up, maybe went up Sunday or Monday. I don't know what, the, all the guys camped up there for the whole week. And we worked on antennas, worked on rigs, figured out our setup, what have you. I still have my knowledge license. Of course, now this is the day before cell phones, you know, um, you know, like my mom couldn't call me or text me and say, hey, your license is here, you know. So I think it was the Thursday before field day. And I look out and there's her carpool. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I wonder if this is it. And she opens the door and she's got an envelope in her hand. Oh. Uh, cool. just, just went from uh, WN3 to WA3. <laughs> so uh, I was legally able to, to operate. So your original call was WN3 LVR? Correct. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. And N for novice. Which is not right. not the case anymore. No, no, we don't have the novice class anymore. And um, I, and I guess today, you know, if you if you take a test or take a series of tests, you're just given some sequential call. Like we're now in the KC3s now, KC3Ws. I think so. Even if you went and you took your tech and your general, um, you would just get a sequential call. Back in those days, it was different. If you went and got your tech, I think at that time we became a K3. I think. Um, but that's, you know, that's changed today, but, um, but yeah, so that, that was cool that, you know, that happened right before actual field day. And, uh, and that was, uh, that was a fun, it was a fun weekend. It really was a fun weekend. You know, got me addicted to that. So was, <laughs> was the field day the same setup that it is now that you're just transmitting 24 hours or. Correct. Yeah. Exactly right. Uh, I would say that a huge main difference between field day then and today, and that's any contest, is we didn't have personal computer. We had this dupe sheet. It was all paper dupe sheets. And that thing was a nightmare. Because <laughs> um, this was before the days of the A and the N calls. Uh, all of our calls back then were either Ws or Ks. So I forget, we used to circle a, a K. Like you just put the last three letters down. And you would circle it if it was a K, or you'd underline it if it was a W. They had this system to do it, but it was really it was a nightmare to do the check logs, especially when it got later in the contest. Um, you'd have to look through it like, did we work him? You know, LVR, LVR, where, where? Oh yeah, we worked him. Yeah, is it? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, having a PC uh, to do our logging and our um, our dupe checking is oh, so much better today. <laughs> the paper logs and the paper check sheets. Yeah. So anyway, that was that was my uh, that was my first experience with Philly. It was it was awesome, you know. From that I was I was hooked. I'd like to say I've participated in every one ever since I haven't, but uh, I always want to every year when it comes around. There's been years I haven't been able to do it, but now I try and make it a uh, a priority. Unless <clears throat> I get sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you still operated. I did. I did still operate. I, I do like that rule change that you can 
uh, work from home and, and give the points to your, your group or your club. That's a, that's a real nice thing we're able to do. So the Heathkit DX60, you were making that. Is, is that just a receiver? No, that's a transmitter. That is a transmitter. Uh, so Heathkit had a pair. They had the DX60 and the HR, as in receiver, HR10B, I think. Uh, that was the, the, the pair that you could buy. And it was not a good receiver at all. It, it, was, it was not selective. It was not sensitive. And um, I'm glad I didn't go. I, I bought the Halicrafters. I bought the Halicrafters used. Um, as I recall, I needed need to be aligned. I had somebody align it for me, but that was a really nice selective radio. I mean, boy, on CW, it was great. You get that thing down to, I think, I know there was a 500 hertz filler in it. Maybe it was a 300. I mean, you could really, um, you know, pull out stations from the, uh, you know, from the pileups, shall we say. And, uh, but the, uh, the DX60 crystal controlled, uh, single 6146B tube. Uh, would run 100 watts. You know, we throttle it down to 75 for, you know, for novice. And um, a good solid old radio. I mean, people are, excuse me, people are into them today. I mean, I know there's DX60 groups and a lot of folks that, that had them way back when want another one is that, you know, trying to have their, their original novice station. Um, I'm, I'm okay with that. Not, not having that anymore. <laughs> the new radios are definitely a lot better. Um, having a, having a transceiver is, is, so much better than you know having a separate receiver and transmitter because we used to have to you know spot ourselves we had to move up and down wherever you were on the band you had to you know coordinate the receiver and the transmitter you know so you're on the same frequency you know, so. did you only operate on 80 meters so i was i was operating on 80 meters and and uh i remember one friday night i was i guess i was saying no i think i'm 40 meters and i remember harry saying why are you just hanging in hang a 40 meter inverted under that and i'm like why were you talking about harry he says, just cut a 40 meter inverted V dipole. And he says, you just hang that thing right on the same insulator, droop the wires down as an inverted V. I'm like, well, won't it want to load up on the 80? Oh, no, no, no. He says, SWR will take care of that. He says, it'll work perfectly. He says, you got to do it. He says, do it and tell me how it works out. Well, he did. I got some wire. I, I cut a 40 meter inverted V and it, you know, bugged it on right under the, uh, uh, at the same insulator, you know, that the coax was hooked to. And it worked great. I mean, I worked, I worked all over with that thing. Um, it was excellent. Um, I never had it. I don't think I ever had an antenna for 15 meters. Um, although I could have strung a third one underneath that. I mean, you know, they call them what a, a cage, a fan dipole. They would call that. Could have, could have done that. Um, but uh, no, that those two antennas as a combo on one coax worked great. You know, that was that was a that was a good combination. But I. That was, you know, something I learned from Harry. I learned a lot of stuff from Harry. <laughs> Sounds like it. That's a great guy. Yeah. Know? And I know, I know if you've talked, you have talked to Joe and Chuck and, and you know, you've heard a lot of stories about him. And you could talk all day stories about Harry Davis. He's quite the guy. Yeah. Chuck had shown me the, the picture of the Friday Nighters that was done in the uh, Daily Local. Yes. yes. And uh, I, 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 I mentioned to Joe that I was super jealous of that opportunity that you all had because I would have loved to have had something like that. Yeah, it was great. It was really, it was great times and, and uh, very, very blessed to, to have had Harry as a mentor, as, a, as an Elmer. And, uh, you know, and he was just, he just loved conveying his knowledge to the, the kids as he called us. <laughs> Being a ham, has that, how has that affected your career or training or anything along those lines? So a lot of the, um, electrical 
theory, electronic theory that uh, I learned as being a ham. I, I've been able to use that in business. Um, I had a, uh, like I shared this with you that um, my parents had a campground um, in uh, <clears throat> just outside of Coastal called Beachwood Campground. And um, I then started an RV service center in dealership at that campground. And a lot of the stuff that I learned in, in radio, I was able to use a lot of those techniques, theory, um, in diagnosing electrical problems in, in RVs. And, well, even at the campground, stuff that, you know, uh, that needed fix there, I was able to use that. So, yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the theory has, has helped me in, in diagnosing and servicing things. Yeah, that for sure. And also, I, I guess, people skills, you know, because I'm from talking on the air so much, I'm never afraid to get up in front of a group. That's, that's, that's never a problem. Um, I had to do that to camp around a good bit. And, and you know, even today I, I do that at, at church. So people will ask me to say something, um, you know, in front of the congregation. I have, I don't have any problem going up and speaking because, you know, I've done that with radio my whole life. So uh, it's just that I've got people looking at me and I just look over their heads, pretend they're not there. <laughs> it's like talking to the microphone on the radio. So, um, yeah, it's uh, uh, it's just it's just been a great hobby, and and um, I uh, was inactive for a while. I, I think you've experienced this too. When your kids are growing up, you know you need to give them time. And, um, so, you know, the ham radio gets put aside, but it's still there, and you know, keep the license active and and, and renewed, and uh, you'll get to a point where you're going to get back to it. And that's that's happened with me. That was one of the things that Amy, my wife, had mentioned was, why are you renewing your ham license? I'm like, because it's, well, back then, because it was free. Why not? I went through all that work, and uh, I'm glad I continued. Uh, I'm glad I did. Even at $35, it's a bargain. There was a lot of moaning and groaning when that happened. Like, it's 35 bucks. It's like, you know, consider the price of the radio. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's for a 10-year term. It's three fifty a year. $3.50 a year. There you go. Less than a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah. if you go to Starbucks. If you go to Starbucks, yeah, that only gets you half a cup. <laughs> More like six bucks now or seven bucks. What is your current rig? So um, I have an ICOM IC756 Pro 3. Um, it's the predecessor to the ICOM 7610. It's not an SDR. Um, it's just a heterodyne, uh, super heterodyne rig. Uh, definitely the nicest radio I've ever owned. I really, really like this radio. Um, uh, I do have a, a secondary rig, that FT-890. You've, you've seen that one at, uh, at Field Day. Like I left it up there, um, which is more of a, it's more of a stripped down uh, radio. It's, it's, you know, it's an okay radio, but it's, it does not have the selectivity um, or the sensitivity that this radio has. And um, antenna-wise currently, uh, it's not up yet, but I'll be putting up a... Um, Telescopy masts with a TA33 uh, tri-band beam on it. And probably we'll do a 40 meter inverted V uh, off that. Um, and it's, uh, that, that project's gonna happen this fall. I've got all the material. It's just, you know, picking a time that I'm free and I can get a couple people over to help me pour some concrete. That done. I've got all the piping run out to it. It's just a matter of pulling the trigger on it. Uh, so definitely wanna have that operation before this winter. Uh, to get you know to do uh, do a little, lot more operating, and I'm more of a CW guy. I, I you know I get on the phone, but I do very very much enjoy operating in CW, and 
you know, which is pretty much what I do at field day. I try and stay on CW for the extra points, but uh, just in general, I, I enjoy it. How about band? What, what band do you prefer? If any, uh, I like 40 meters, uh, 40 meters is, uh, is an all around band um, during the day. You know, it's good out. Yeah, you can get kind of in the Midwest with it. Um, won't quite make Florida, I guess, maybe South Carolina during the day, but boy, at night, that thing just opens up so nice. And now that we have less broadcast, foreign broadcast stations on there, I know there's a few, but uh, back in the day, when I first got my license, it was almost unusable at night. It was so full of foreign broadcast stations. It was almost end to end. It was just a couple of little windows you could use. Uh, but today they're almost gone. So at night, 40 meters can lengthen out really nice. And, you know, you can work the West Coast, you can work into Europe um, and, and further. I mean, I've, I've spoken to, I know I've worked in an article on there. I think I've worked, I don't know if I've worked into Australia. I'm, I might've worked into Australia also on, on 40 meters. Uh, so it's, uh, that's, that's kind of my favorite band. But to work DX, I mean, to, to be up on 20, 15 and 10, that's the place to be with a, with a rotatable Yagi antenna. I mean, that's the, um, you know, you can really put a lot of DX in your, in your log by, by going up there. Are you putting a rotor on that or is that going to be the manual rotation? Manual rotation for now until I figure it out. Actually, I actually have a rotor, but I, I haven't figured out how to do it yet. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to stick the rotor at the very top of the mast. I'll be able to make the thing top heavy. Um, I mean, the, the mast will, you know, turn. It's, it's built to turn itself, you know, manually. Uh, I'd like to figure out a way to do that. I've, I've looked on the internet to see if anybody's done it. So far, nobody's done it. Because maybe I, I got to try and figure it out. Do you collect QSL cards today? I, I have in the past. Um, probably when I get back on and doing some more DX, we'll get back into collecting cards. Yeah. Well, I've got quite a, I have quite a collection of them. Yeah, for sure. I got a lot of, uh, <clears throat> I know I've, I probably have DXCC. Uh, I've just never sent in for it. I know I've worked on stage with many bands. Um, I just, you know, never sent in for the awards. That's not a big thing for me, but to have the cards is cool. You know, it's a, a pretty good collection of cards. Yeah. What is your favorite aspect of ham radio? You know, I have to say that the like I'm going to say contesting slash DXing. Um, you know, field day it's not really a contest, but that type of operating I enjoy. Um, of course, the camaraderie of field day is is wonderful. So I mean, field day is that's one of my favorite parts of of hammer. Even though it only happens once a year, um, but the but contesting and DXing I guess is my favorite thing. And I'll tell you, we've done this uh, this marathon. Uh, three straight years, uh, the Eastern States 100. And to be part of that, you want at one of the aid stations and being a ham station uh, there to help with communication. That has really been cool. We've really, really enjoyed that. Uh, had not done much of that in the past. Um, got involved in that just through a, an email that was sent to us from, from the league um, looking for volunteers. And that's an area that we, we go during the winter to snowmobiles. So I know the area really well. Uh, North of Williamsport, um, up in Lycoming County, and uh, said, oh, what? let's let's give this a shot, see what it's like. So now we're hooked on doing that. So we've done that three years straight. We'll, you know, we want to go back again uh, next year you know, doing that. So uh, that's really the first public service type thing I've done, and and we'd like to do more of that. So as opportunities arise, uh, we'd like to do more of that type of thing. Has your favorite aspect changed over the years? that of the public service yeah you know that i'm starting to do that i haven't done that in the past um but i've, I've always enjoyed doing the contest and the dx we did a couple of contests um as a friday night group uh, from the hill i know we did uh, 
Uh, I think it's the CQ uh, Worldwide, the WPX contest. I think we did that. Uh, we might have done the ARRLTX contest. So we've we've done that as a group uh, from the Hill also. So, so that goes way back from when I first started in radio. So since you started in ham radio back in 69, how has it changed? Um, well, of course, we, you know, we've integrated our computer in with the radio. That's kind of one of the main things. Um, I, I say one of the biggest changes. That's an integral part of the shack now. You know, we use it for logging. We use it for, um, well, digital modes. You know, if you do FT8 or you do any of the digital, you know, you're integrating the computer in there. I'd say that was one of the biggest changes. The other change, and there's been some deterioration on behavior on the bands. And I think that's very sad. There's certain groups on certain bands. I mean, 80, 80 meters, 75 meters is, is an example. There's some certain bad boys down there. And, and there's always been kind of a fringe group down there, but I think it's worse today. Very, very unfortunately. I really, I hate to say this, but that's especially on 80, I guess. And I, I like 80 meters. I used, you know, used to operate there a lot, but things I hear today going on there almost keeps me from wanting to go on there. I'm not really that interested in uh, being involved in any of that kind of stuff. So that's a, that's kind of sad. And of course now, you know, we, um, we dropped the code requirement. Oh, that's been going quite a few years. 25 years ago. Of course, everybody said, oh, that's, you know, that's going to be the, the end of ham radio. That's the death of it. And not the case at all. And it, it interests me that so many people who have gotten their licenses as a no code person now want to learn the code. I find that, I think it's great. Yep. I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got my tech tech and then I got my tech plus back when code was still going and you needed five words a minute to get the tech plus. Okay. But okay. my general is a no code general. And admittedly, prior to really field day, there's no way I would have been able to get be a general if I had to get 20 words a minute. So it, it was a stumbling block to a lot of people. There's, there's no, I, I had different people say to me, you know, I, I'd have my ham ticket in a minute, but I, I, I just can't get the code. Yeah. I, I just, I, I've tried and can't get it, but that, which is a shame. You know, those people, these were back in the day, they were older, older people. And I was young, you know, I, guys that were maybe in electronics or what have you and said, Oh yeah, yeah I envy you that you're able to do that because I, I could never do it. So today that's open to everyone, which I think is really cool. We're able to do this and, and I, I am glad to see the resurgence uh, and people wanting to learn to code. I think that, that's really cool. Are you a home brewer? Not really. Uh, you know, I'll build little stuff like a build. I have that memory cure. You've seen that. Uh, you have built that. And I've done various easy kits. Okay. So primarily kits. Kit stuff. Yeah. But actual brew. No, no. I, and I, I envy people like Joe. Joe and Chuck, and Chuck is really good at it. He makes some beautiful stuff. And that was passed down from Harry. Harry was uh, FDY. He was a home brewer. I just never had the, had the knack for doing any of that. That was over my head. So that's okay. We all have our own skill side. Yep. How do you think we engage the younger generations in amateur radio? I just, I don't know how we're going to hook the kids on radio. I really don't. I mean, I, I don't want to be negative about it. You know, I, I see my grandson. I had my grandson for three days this summer. He's 12. Great, great kid, Wyatt. And he brought his two video games. He brought um, a Switch and a PlayStation, a 5. I think a PlayStation 5. The newest PlayStation. So what he does, you know, he plays games. He's got heads, a headset on and he's talking to people. 
So there's your communication link. And doing a real fun thing, we're talking about this game we're playing. And now we're asking kids, oh, oh no, we're not going to do that. We're just going to have you on a radio and talk. And for that matter, there's not a lot of kids your age. You're going to talk to these old guys. ARL made a, a video many, many years ago called More Than Radios. And, and it was about the people in ham radio, just the, the, the camaraderie. And that's that's a big piece of it, too. We have a group of really great, I mean, I think of the 985 people. And we have a really nice group of guys there, you know, that, that you're with and you like to hang with. And that's a big piece of ham radio. Like I say that marching band in school is 80% social and 20% music. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> what recommendations do you have for those who are either re-entering amateur radio or new to the service? Um, I can tell people to try, try all the aspects of the hobby. Um, I like HF. Uh, I like the DX uh, and that, that's, that's one of my favorite places. And of course, I'm also on two meter FM. Um, but I, I, I tell people, you know, try all, all that's on there. Try FT8. Um, try satellite. Try talking to space station. You know, try, try and do all this stuff. Uh, even if that type of thing that you just get together with somebody else that has a really good satellite setup and say, hey, I'd like to see this. You know, let me, let me try this out. And, um, you know, then if you like it, make a commitment to it. But um, try some contesting. Try some public service. So it's, you know, Henry is a buffet. You know, you've got all these stuff out there on the on the buffet table and go out and try a little bit of, of each of it and see which one you really like and, and you're going to find a niche you're going to find a groove so that, that's what i recommend people that are either re-entering or you know or entering and, and even the digital stuff and i know some of the uh, quote older guys are against the digital things but, but give it a shot you know and, and it may not be your thing like i've tried fta it's okay you know i you know i'm not going to down it but it's just kind of not my thing you know i gave it a shot you know you know, it has its advantages if you don't have a good antenna. That's, that's you know, it's probably strength. You know, you don't need much signal. Anyway, my thing would be to you know, tell people to try try all the aspects of the hobby. Yeah, I, I like your, your phrase, ham radio is a buffet. Yeah, yeah. Because it really is. There, there's a lot for everybody to, to try out. So what do you do for fun that's not ham radio related? Snowmobile. Snowmobiling. Okay. Where do you go to do that? Yeah, so in the wintertime, we, uh, we rent a cabin up in Tioga County. It's about uh, 15 miles south of Wellsboro. I say cabin. It's, it's like a little house, like a little rancher. It's a town called Blackwell, Pennsylvania. And uh, we take our snowmobiles that we have. Um, we have two in a spare. We have three snowmobiles. We'll take our trailer up there uh, the first weekend in January, put it on the, on the property in the back of the house, and we just leave it there for the whole uh, season for the two months. And then the other weekends we just drive our truck back and forth and last year we never took the sled off the trailer yeah yeah <laughs> no snow at all but we you know we still enjoy the time away we enjoy going to wellsboro and uh and just the beauty of, uh, of that area up there but uh but yeah that's that's my other hobby is uh the snowmobiling have you ever gone west for snowmobiling no i, I love to i love to go to uh, yellowstone and try that i did yellowstone as a senior in high school and we were less than five minutes from Old Faithful, but there was a huge bison in the path and they would not let us pass the bison because just one move of his head and that snowmobile and us was off the path and not going anywhere else. So 
I never saw Old Faithful, but I can say I, I snowmobiled in Yellowstone. Oh, it cool. was a very blast. Good. It was a very blast. Cool. Yeah. And that's a different snow out there. It's very powdery. Yes, it is. It's a totally different experience than snowmobiling in the east because our snow is heavier. It's wetter. It packs down more. Riding on the trails here is like riding on the road. Oh, I believe it. Okay. Out there, it's like floating in a cloud. <laughs> well, Yellowstone was pretty packed too, but it's it wasn't nearly as icy as it as it gets here. I, I loved it. I and I would recommend it. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's cool. So you flew, you flew, you flew and rented. No, we because I lived in Chicago at the time. Oh, okay. um, so we we drove out. It was with you with the youth group from church, and nice. um, we drove out and we went skiing in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Skied there for a couple of days, and then a couple of day or one day we went snowmobiling. Slides over and he all stuff. Nice. What do you want to do when you grow up? What do I want to do when I grow up? You know, I always like to work in um, uh, either back scenes of broadcast television or radio or back scenes at the movies. Do something technical. Like I really think it's cool uh, the way all that stuff goes together, uh, especially television. I think television production is, is very, very cool. That's something I always wanted to wanted to do. I've never really... I don't think I've done any of it, actually. But I think in high school, we, we had a TV station in high school. I, I operated camera there a couple of times. Um, but they were a, a kind of a, I'll call them the group there, was kind of a click. And, and they didn't really want outsiders in there. And I, I guess they were short of people. And they asked me one time to operate camera at one of their news shows. But I never got invited back. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I always thought that was cool to do that, to do behind the scenes um, broadcasting or, or even, to, you know, uh, in cinema, you know, no, not all, not the on-screen stuff, but all the all the back-screen stuff. I think it's, it's real back-screen stuff. It's kind of cool. Most as I come to do with that was when I did the Passion Play at church. I got to run the lights. So you were a lightboard operator there, okay? I was a lightboard operator for, for Passion Play. Did that for quite a few years, and that was that was very cool. If you were to describe yourself as an animal, what would it be and why? A workhorse. A workhorse. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a I'm a working guy. You know, here I am, 68. Still, uh, we still cut grass two days a week. You know, still hanging on that, uh, that little business we have. So, uh, and uh, having a hard time giving that up because <laughs> I enjoy working. <laughs> well, it's a good time to listen to podcasts. You got it. What do you think I listen to? <laughs> <laughs> and that's been really nice because, you know, I've been cutting grass for, for quite a few years. And there was a time where I, you didn't want to spend the money on, on the data for the phone. It got expensive. So... For many years, I would just listen to FM radio. You know, the headphones I had were, were FM. But the cool thing I did was I had an XM radio in the truck. It was a standalone XM radio. And I, I bought a little transmitter. You know, I fed that into the, the the XM into the transmitter, transmitted out to my headphones on the mower. So I was able to listen to XM while I was on the mower. That was very cool. And you probably got better FM there than you did from any of the broadcast stations. Exactly. Exactly. Because I had, it wasn't exactly legal, you know, having the, the you know, because you can buy these little one five watt. The thing might have been five watts, you know. And I transmitted, I think, like on the channel six um, audio frequency. And by then they were already digital. What is it, eighty seven nine or eighty seven seven? The very bottom end of the FM band is where channel six's audio used to be. So I would transmit down there. It didn't bother soul, you know. So, and and I had a great, great signal in the mower. Because I put a little quarter wave whip on the outside of my truck. And, yeah, that worked great. <laughs> but now with you know your your phone data plan now, it's everybody's got unlimited data, you know, at a reasonable price. So 
I just uh, stream it out of my, keep my phone in my pocket and stream it to my, uh, my headset. Yeah, I'll do the same. And then if my phone battery died, I would switch over to the FM, but then I'd get into one spot behind the house and I'd lose signal. I'm like, all right, I guess I'm not listening to that song anymore. Well, you know, the, the, those headsets, they're, the receivers in those leave a lot to be desired. You got to remember the physical size of them, probably about the size of a 50 cent piece, you know? I mean, I, um, and does yours have an antenna? It did. Okay, because some of them don't. You know, they just have some kind of an internal antenna, and they're really bad. And the ones that I had in the past had a you know a rubber duck antenna. It was too, it's too short, but you know, it works better than the internal antenna. Yeah, I've switched over to the IsoTunes now. That's what I use yes, for mowing. Yes. Bluetooth connection is great. Works out real well. I, my it's come on Amazon, and they're, they're Bluetooth, and they, they work really really well. They have a rechargeable battery in them, and they last almost last two days. Yeah. So I just basically charge them once a week. Yeah, this is also hearing protection at the same time. So it works out real well inside the, the workshop too. I think mine are 25 or 27 dB in noise reduction. I mean, I got the highest ones I could buy, you know, because zero turn mowers, they just, they are noisy. They are noisy. Well, George, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I really enjoyed this time and getting to know you a little bit more. Well, I appreciate this. I appreciate the effort you're putting in this podcast. This is very, very cool. Because we, uh, we have a great group of guys on 985 and uh, feature all of them in a podcast is a really, it's, it's really cool. Just a nice added thing. And uh, I very much appreciate you doing this. Very excited to get to know people better. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to say 73, George. You take care. Thank you so much, 73 Travis. It's been my pleasure. And uh, here in this heat wave, stay cool. Yeah, you too. <laughs> Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to the 985 Nerds Podcast. Check back again for other 985 Nerd Conversations. Have a hamtastic day.